the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always write radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 1035. We do continue now on this Thursday. Great conversation, by the way, with Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, if you missed any of that and uh, his uh, wisdom uh, that he, and analysis that he offers each and every Thursday, also it will be available at whkradio.com on the podcast page about an hour after today's show. Jim Jordan was on in, first, in the first hour talking about the ongoing uh, Biden crime family battles and the testimony me- being given to committees and uh, in depositions that was a conversation you're going to want to hear too all at whkradio.com after the show today a little bit later today uh actually tonight i'm going to be um emceeing slash moderating whatever it is that you want to call it a candidates forum as part of the uh freedom day celebration uh at uh uh with the ohio christian alliance the freedom banquet actually is what we're calling it uh, Pastor Chris Long has asked me to emcee a conversation between congressional candidates Kevin Coughlin and Chris Banweg, which I will do. Also, a forum between or among uh, Bernie Moreno, Frank LaRose, and Matt Dolan. Uh, Bernie will be there, but uh, Matt Dolan is unable to attend or unwilling to attend. I don't know which one it is, but he will have a video presentation. So will uh, um, Secretary of State Frank LaRose. He will have to have a video presentation as well. Fortunately for me, I get an opportunity to talk to him now. And maybe that can help drive some of the conversation that we have at the Freedom Banquet tonight. So let's welcome Secretary of State and Senate candidate Frank LaRose back to AM1420. The answer, Secretary LaRose, good yeah, to be Bob. back. How are you? It's great to be back. And I'll tell you, it is um, not often that I miss an Ohio Christian Alliance banquet. I don't think I've ever missed one. I committed two months ago to be the speaker in Gallia County tonight for the Republican dinner Initially, we were going to do this as like a Zoom video so that I could answer questions and that kind of thing. But Chris tells me that they don't have the tech to do that. So we recorded a video and I will be there in spirit, although in person I'm keeping my commitment down to in Gallia County tonight. I'm ashamed to admit that I'm not terribly familiar with where, where Gallia County is. Can you tell me? Way down on the river, almost as far south as you can go in Ohio. In fact, you got to cross into West Virginia to get to Gallia County, um, and uh, it's um, where Gallup Police is. Okay, there you go. That that helps a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I want to say I know all 88 counties, but I guess I'd be lying if I did because I didn't realize you had to actually leave the state to come back into the state to get to uh, that particular county. So uh, I do understand, and uh, and I wish you a very successful event on there. But I'm glad I got you here. I had Bernie on for an exclusive one-on-one uh, a few days ago. We've reached out to Matt Dolan and uh, been unable to secure that one. But I want to give you an opportunity now, too, as we have – Crossed into voting territory. The early voting has begun. Let me ask you, wearing your Secretary of State cap first, uh, if there's any information you want to share with Ohio voters about this. So far, uh, steady as it goes, level flight. Uh, we do our uh, meetings daily with the team, and, and things <laughs> seem to be working as they should. And that's because of the dedicated people at our 88 county boards of elections 
Uh, they have done the testing uh, and the logistics that they need to do. Uh, absentee ballots started going out yesterday, and um, early voting began at our county boards of elections and continues for the next four weeks. So uh, we'll keep monitoring it, but so far so good. You know, as the chief of, um, and, and I guess this is going to be kind of a combination question for the secretary of state that you are and the Senate primary candidate that you are. Do you do you have any regrets about 2020's Zuckerbucks and taking uh, taking the money uh, from Mark Zuckerberg, which so many other secretaries did to, I, I, I don't know if I want to say influence the election or what, but obviously it was a great concern for a lot of people. Mark Zuckerberg is the farthest thing in the world from nonpartisan and unbiased in his uh, yeah. uh, in in his act in his uh, activist uh, w- world. Um, and Ohio took uh, took a million of his bucks. Um, do you regret that? Let me explain what we did and how this worked in Ohio. First of all, my seventh grade civics lesson tells me that the state legislature is in charge of approving expenditures. And so I went to them mm-hmm. and we talked about it. I appeared in front of the what's called the controlling board. And what I proposed for them is that we use this money for all the COVID garbage that the health department was requiring us to buy so that we could save the taxpayers money. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. We didn't spend it on things like other states did. We spent it on uh, hand sanitizer and signage and all this garbage that would have cost Ohio taxpayers money had we not spent his money on it. The other rationale was if we don't spend it in Ohio, it's going to go to Georgia and Pennsylvania and Arizona and other states where it is likely to be abused. And so the state legislature made the decision and we carried it out to take that money, to use it to save taxpayers dollars, to buy all the COVID garbage that we were required to buy that year. But here's what we did. When we saw predictably that other states abused these dollars and used them in a way that benefited one party, the Democrats, we worked to outlaw it. First in Ohio, we led by example. We were one of the first states to do that, and I was uh, a big backer of getting that done in the legislature. And then we started going state to state. I'm the vice chair of the Republican Secretaries of State Committee nationally, and we've now been able to ban it in a majority of states. And so that's what leadership requires. Uh, you notice something that's being abused in other places and you work to get it eliminated. And that's exactly what we did. So nothing, nothing of concern here in Ohio, certainly as it relates to how those dollars were spent. And we addressed it nationally. Okay. Like I said, just just because the election is underway now, 30-day, you know, the primary anyway, for March 19th, and we're in that 30-day window, I wanted to ask you about that part of it, because uh, a lot of people, sure. uh, you know, uh, were concerned about it, and uh, concerned about, you know, uh, left-wing uh, billionaire influencers from out of the state, uh, you know, uh, affecting how things are done in this state and uh, affecting the elections. There's certainly no influence in Ohio, and this is the kind of thing people bring up on a campaign trail, and they try to make this guilt by association thing. No influence in Ohio. We used it to buy boring stuff, and then we work to outlaw it not only here but in other states as well going forward. okay so let, let me let's talk about the primary now um most of what i hear and it may be because it's where my uh attention is turned in this race thus far because i have access to you and i have access to bernie Moreno. you both have been very forthcoming about coming on this program and discussing things with me all of the issues that are most important to you and matt dolan has not maybe that's why it just appears this way and if i'm wrong then i apologize but it appears to me that this is you know frank larose fixating all of his attention on bernie moreno and bernie moreno largely fixating all of his attention on frank larose and matt dolan is just kind of out there um 
can you tell me how you size things up now that we are in the voting period? Uh, I haven't heard you, co- uh, you know, um, going after or criticizing or explaining your differences with Mr. Dolan as much as you have with Mr. Marino. Well, first of all, my focus is talking to Ohioans about how we have to save this country and how I'm the only credentialed, proven, tested conservative that can first beat Sherrod Brown and then go to D.C. and have the courage to get the things done that we need to do to save our country. As far as who we've attacked and, and that kind of thing, listen, I'm, I'm usually one that uh, is not interested in trashing my opponents, but if I'm going to take a punch, I'm going to throw a counterpunch. The reason I haven't had to talk much about Mr. Dolan is he's a well-known moderate or even liberal. And uh, Ohio voters can smell BS a mile away, and they recognize that this is a guy that doesn't share our values. He has a bad voting record on guns and life and taxes, and no matter how much of his personal wealth he spends, it's unlikely that he's going to convince Ohioans that he's a conservative. Now, uh, as it relates to Mr. Moreno, I've also been pointing out that he has a very liberal background, sitting on a board that gave money to very liberal causes and not saying anything about it, not speaking up. Uh, This video that we found recently of him essentially mocking gun owners and calling for gun control policies, these are things people should know. If a candidate has an election year conversion, is it really genuine, or were they speaking their true mind a couple years ago when they were talking about supporting all these liberal causes like Moreno has done, for example? So it is interesting. You say Dolan is a well-known moderate, so that's why your attention has been on Bernie. Uh, and and Bernie, uh, you now you're saying that he's moderate too, or he is actually liberal. Um, is is that explain why then, if they are both liberal and they're both moderate or both moderate, why only Moreno has been your uh, your target? And when you do decide to attack. Well, because uh, he's the one that's closest to me in the polls. Again, you know, we, we look at the polling on this a little bit. I, I what is your polling show? Yeah, that I've got a, a modest lead at this point, one or two points, but it's, it's effectively a neck and neck race between me and Mr. Moreno. But what matters is that um, Ohio voters know a real conservative when they see one versus a slick salesman that's spending millions of dollars to try to convince them he's a, a, a conservative, which is what uh, Moreno's doing. Uh, do you believe that um, your pro-life credentials are um, are stronger than either of your two opponents? No question. I mean, Why? this is not even questionable. Well, first of all, because in the state legislature, I actually stood up to be counted and voted to defund Planned Parenthood multiple times. Voted to uh, pass the heartbeat bill, and including overriding a veto or voting to override a veto by Governor Kasich. Last year, when it was hard, I took on the fight and others walked off the battlefield. Thank God, as a Green Beret, I never found myself alone on the battlefield. My teammates were always there with me. But last year, when we were fighting to protect this state from a radical abortion amendment, in many cases, including both of my opponents, were not really out there fighting for it. I did 76 different events around the state talking to voters about how important this was. So I run into battle even when it's hard, including, by the way, always to protect the sanctity of life, because to me this is not negotiable. What are the most important issues for you, Secretary LaRose, or Candidate LaRose, or Frank? <laughs> I always try to defer to titles because I'm respectful. Um, but, Sergeant but when is it the com- one I prefer. <laughs> with, uh, with, when it comes to the cultural issues like that, the pro-life yeah. issues versus the nuts and bolts, the economic issues, if you go to the United States Senate, are you going to focus more on the economy or are you going to focus more on energy or are you going to focus more on, again, the 
least cultural issues, whether it be pro-life, uh, family values, education, and the things that, uh, that so many conservatives are concerned about? Well, you know, I think as a U.S. senator, I'll, I'll focus on all of those because when I say we have a country to save, that's not exaggeration. But economically, we have a country to save. We need to fight for uh, streamlined regulations, get the bureaucrats out of the way. We need to cut taxes. And, and that means, by the way, making the Trump tax cuts permanent. We need to do oil and gas exploration and take all of these restrictions off that the Biden administration's put on. We need to get rid of these wind and solar subsidies that, by the way, Moreno wrote an op-ed supporting just a couple years ago. Now he says he's against them. I've always been against that nonsense. Government subsidies for wind and solar are a bad idea. But we also have to fight the culture wars because the left is trying to remake this country into something we won't recognize. And when it comes to parents' rights, fighting to make sure that our children are educated and not indoctrinated, protecting children from this radical gender ideology that thinks it's okay to subject a minor child to a gender transition, that's child abuse. So yeah, we need to stand up on all of these things. I do have a long history of focusing on economic issues because to me, this is not just numbers on a page, it's how families provide a living for themselves. And so I have had a real focus on that during my time in the legislature, but I'm gonna be a fighter a fighter for uh, protecting kind of uh, the traditional American culture as well. Yeah, we're talking with Ohio Secretary of State and Senate candidate Frank LaRose on AM 1420, The Answer. Um, you you are able to point to votes that you have taken because you've been in legislative office. Uh, Bernie Moreno cannot do that because he has not been. But what he has done is done the economic side of things. He has built an extraordinarily successful built, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> business, created tons of jobs and those kinds of things. How do you convince Ohio voters that your economic bona fides are as strong as his, given the fact that, and again, he's got to convince them that you, he would be an effective legislator, which you have done. But how do you cross that over and, uh, and, and, and stand your, your economic uh, credentials up to, up to his? Well, first of all, I live in the economy that Ohioans have to deal with. Unlike my opponents, I actually have to sit at the kitchen table with Lauren and figure out how we're going to pay the bills each month. And again, I'm not insulting them for being prosperous, but we've already got 52 uh, 52 millionaires in the U.S. Senate. We've got 52 of the 100 that are millionaires. I don't think we have a lack of wealthy people, but what we don't have is any Green Berets. There's never been one. I'll be the first one. But also, uh, Moreno's been very involved in politics for many years as a funder, as an outspoken uh, opinion leader on certain things. And so I think you need to look to his record, where just a few years ago, again, he was calling for gun control. Just a few years ago, he supported green energy subsidies that I think are disastrous. He sat on a board that gave money to Planned Parenthood and an anti-Israel group and a Bloomberg. Gun with, with, with all due respect, group. let me those with all due respect matter. let me interrupt this because because you already made yeah. those points. I asked you about the cultural side sure. before, and you hit the pro-life thing, and you yeah. hit you can talk about guns. This question is solely about economic, um, uh, you know, credentials. Like I said, and the fact that sure. he's been in the business sector. Compare yourself to him, and if you want to Matt Dolan as well, from just the economic part. Let's stick with that. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And again, my record is clear on this. I voted to cut taxes over and over again. I led the charge in the state legislature to cut regulations. One of the most uh, dangerous things the federal government does is the rules and regulations that are passed by bureaucrats that have the power of law behind them. 
as I say, that some of the worst things the federal government does don't happen on the House floor or the Senate floor, but the 20th floor of a federal office building where an unaccountable bureaucrat passes rules that your business and family have to live by. So regulatory reform has been something I've well established on. And I grew up in a small business family, and I understand what small business means to this state. And I grew up working on a farm. I understand that farms are small businesses that are an important part of our economy. So I have that experience. I have the legislative experience that it takes to actually make things better in Washington by getting the government out of the way. Because when we shrink the public sector, when we shrink government, we can grow the private sector. One more question on money, uh, kind of, sort of. It's more budget. Um, Would you have, if you were in the Senate uh, right now, would you have voted for this supplemental of of $60 billion to Ukraine? What is it, $14 billion to Israel, $10 billion to Hamas in Gaza, and uh, whatever the the remaining amount was to Taiwan? Would you be supporting that? No, I would not. Um, I've been very clear that budgets are all about priorities. Our priority right now needs to be holding this administration feet to the fire so that we can get our border secured. That's where we need to to focus our attention right now. Of course, I'm supportive of Israel. This is, again, something where Moreno and I have differed. When we did a candidate for him just a couple months ago, he said Israel doesn't need America's help. I think that's foolish. I've actually trained with members of the IDF. I know how profoundly Israel needs our help, and I would be for always standing with Israel. But mixing these things together is an example of what's wrong with Washington. And, and they should be separate standalone bills, and then we should consider them individually. Would you vote for the Ukraine bill as a standalone bill? bill? No. And uh, one of the main reasons is because you can't trust this administration to spend those dollars correctly. They have refused to put an inspector general in charge, and so we don't know how these dollars are being wasted. Um, and uh, I think that the conditions uh, need to be set for making the sanctions work the way that they're supposed to. This administration has not been doing that. We need to get our uh, European allies to bear their share of the burden, which President Trump has been clear about. Biden has been uh, very weak on. Biden's been weak on nearly everything on foreign policy. And uh, and so, no, I wouldn't be uh, for unaccountable money going to Ukraine at this point. Absolutely not. How important are endorsements to you in this race, uh, Mr. LaRose? And I ask that, and if I'm wrong about this, correct me if you know it, but I, I think that I've seen that 10 uh, county GOP uh, um, uh, organizations have issued endorsements here. Nine of them have issued endorsements for Marino. One, maybe the most recent one, endorsed you. And if I have that wrong, I apologize, but I'm looking at Cuyahoga County's GOP. They just made that decision. Uh, you and I talked about that previously. How important are the endorsements of local county uh, uh, GOPs to you? You know, these are something where I respect the party, I respect the the will of uh, the the work of the party, but endorsements are not how most voters make their decisions. The endorsements that I'm proud of are from Ohio uh, gun rights groups like Buckeye Firearms, and and they've endorsed me, uh, Ohio Right to Life, they jointly endorsed me and one of my opponents, but uh, endorsements are not how most people make their decisions. They want to they want to see a candidate that's actually going to fight for their values, and that's what really matters the most. And I'm proud of the 300 and gosh over 350 local endorsements from state reps and state senators and county commissioners and county sheriffs around the state that have backed me because they know I'm the proven conservative in this race. So last one I want to ask you about is a difference that came out between you and your uh, opponents, and particularly again we're focusing on Bernie Marino for the reasons you outlined a few minutes ago. 
you both seem to be very, very clear in your desire to seal the border, to control the border, to end this just ridiculous um, open borders policy, the Biden administration that has led anywhere between 8 and 10 million uh, illegal immigrants coming in in just the last three years. But you differed at a most, re- at, well, I think your most recent um, debate slash forum with them on deporting those who are already here. Bernie Moreno says all 20 million need to go. You say can't do it or shouldn't do it. What do you say? Let's let's clarify the difference between the two of you on that front. Yeah, th- this is one of those things where Bernie has been desperately trying to mischaracterize me on this. I've been clear that anyone who is here illegally should be deported. But I'm also realistic about not promising something I can't deliver. This is something that as a Boy Scout, as a soldier, as a dad, I believe in being very truthful and honest. And just the logistics of doing that, it can't be done overnight. It can't be done within a period of uh, several months even. And so what I've been clear about is we should start in a phased approach with those that have come during the Biden surge. We should deport all of them. We should deport those that have committed crimes or or, are a danger to society. That's then how we learn how to keep moving through the process of deporting all of them. I am perfectly fine with deporting anyone who is here illegally because a law that's not enforced is not a law it's a suggestion. And our law is you can't break into our country illegally. But I'm not going to promise something unrealistic either. I've also been the only one that's laid out a very clear plan for how to do border security. I said three military divisions on the border. That temporary military force can stop the invasion until the wall is completed. And we have to be clear about absolutely no amnesty of any kind. We also have to define the cartels as a foreign terrorist organization. Bernie's attacked me and said that's un realistic to do or he said that's uh, irresponsible to do but 200 people a day are dying from fentanyl and if we don't define them as a foreign terrorist organization and then use the power of the federal government including the military to stop them they're going to continue killing our fellow americans so nobody is stronger on border security or deportation than i am yeah, I, I think I've heard both of you say you want to militarize the border. Um, the foreign terrorist organization is definitely a difference, that classification. But militarizing the border, I'm just kind of curious. And again, you wouldn't be in the, sec- in the uh, State Department. You wouldn't be in the executive office. You would be a legislator in the United States Senate. So take this for what it's worth. But how would you respond to the Mexican president? I don't know if you heard this. Mexico's president has mocked Governor Greg Abbott in Texas and his planned military base camp that he is going to build along that border and staff with up to 500 uh, guardsmen or soldiers. The Mexican president president is laughing and saying, put as many as you want there. It's not going to stop them. They're still coming through. How, what would you say to the mm-hmm. Mexican president if you could? Well, first of all, unlike anyone else in this race or really any other candidate that I know of, I actually served on the border. I was there in uniform as a soldier with the 101st Airborne Division over 20 years ago. And uh, I know what it takes to actually get this job done. Now, consider the internal politics in Mexico. They're in an election year. AMLO, the president of Mexico that you're talking about, is supporting a certain candidate. And so they are playing their, their own version of politics down there. The military is absolutely capable of ending the invasion that's going on on the U.S.-Mexican border. And President Biden could deploy them today if he had the courage or wherewithal or if he knew where he was, uh, he could actually get that done. And, of course, as a U.S. senator, that wouldn't be my choice, meaning it's not something the Senate can do independently. The commander-in-chief has to do it. But the, when President Trump is commander-in-chief, he's going to need a Senate that's going to support him in getting that done. And that's exactly what I would do. 
Yeah, that's the reason I brought it up. By the way, I was wrong. It's plant 1,800 guardsmen to be uh, stationed there in such a military uh, base that would be built there, not 500. So I agree with you. I think it could yeah. do an awful lot. I'm just curious because Mexico is no friend of uh, the United States in this regard. President Trump got Mexico to agree to keep the uh, you know the remaining Mexico policy to establish that. Uh, but now it seems like uh, they are just an adversary in this endeavor, and it's going to take a strong position by our Senate and our leadership to change to change any of that. Uh, Frank LaRose, uh, Secretary of State and candidate for the United States Senate in a very, very tight primary with Bernie Moreno and Matt Dolan. Early voting is underway. Uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for clarifying some of the differences in your positions with your opponents. We appreciate that, and uh, best of luck to you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, sir. There you go. We had Bernie Moreno on just a few days ago. We had Frank LaRose on today. We are endeavoring to get Matt Dolan on. Not able to make that happen thus far. Uh, but we're going to work on it. We're going to hope to hope. And what I really hope to do, in addition to one on one with Mr. Dolan, is to have all three of these gentlemen in here at some time in the next two weeks before that March 19th primary official voting day, so we can get them in our studio, head to head to head, and really hammer out their differences with one another. We're going to continue to work on that too, as we try to be your go-to source for truth and what the real issues are in this very important primary season. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.